All right, good morning, church. If you guys want to come on in and take your seat, we'll go ahead and get started today. Come on in. Let's go ahead and get started. Man, it's good to see you guys today. I want to say happy Mother's Day to everybody out there who is celebrating today. Uh, real quick, how many of you guys have already been doing things this morning, honoring moms in your life, and you've been doing that? How many have, like, br- who has brunch planned today? I feel like brunch is a Mother's Day thing. You do that today. Who's doing brunch today? Um, who should be doing it right now? I guess it's, we're kind of in that hour right now, aren't we? Um, anybody? Okay, for everybody else who forgot, today is Mother's Day. So um, you have, uh, you probably run out of time if you didn't realize that already, but um, I was thinking about it this past week. Our staff, we, we were celebrating one of our, uh, Lindsay Lewis, who was our receptionist, and she's having a baby here very soon. We were doing this, uh, a baby shower for her, and I was reminded of how much you guys go through, especially during the pregnancy phase of, of everything. Um, I don't know why I did the hand gesture there, but... Um, but I, I, it, it's absolutely, I mean, they were sharing horror story after horror story there. Um, and ladies, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like, evidently, strangers come up to you in aisles at grocery stores and feel the freedom to, like, put their hands on your stomach and, like, and, uh, you know, rub and all that kind of stuff. Am I right? Moms, are, are you kind of annoyed by that a little bit? It was, we had an awesome time just kind of sharing horror story after horror story of what took place. I feel like. Um, if I gave you guys a couple pieces of advice right here, we could end and we would be completely suffice. But it's never, ever, ever, ever okay to go up and grab somebody else's stomach without their permission, right? And just, I think we could just all agree on that and just say, hey, you know what? Uh, unless I've been given permission, no one love this person. We're just not going to be doing that. Um, one person, we were sharing this one story here that I will not share their name. I will give them the freedom to disclose that if, if they want to. Uh, but somebody came up and just surprised her in the middle of the grocery store, put their hands all over the tummy and everything. Thing like that, and uh, and she immediately reached back out and grabbed her stomach too. The, the lady that came up, she just grabbed her stomach and did that too. And it's like, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Right? It's probably it's a little weird to like just be groping strangers in the in the aisle that you don't know and or that you do know for that matter. But uh, um, anyway, so if we could just agree not to do that, I feel like we'd be serving moms well today there. And then sharing horror stories. Evidently, that was a thing too. Oh, you're going to be a new mother. Let me tell you about how terribly it went for me. And um, that was one too, but. Um, Today we are celebrating, we're honoring moms, and we're also at the same time, we're acknowledging and recognizing that this isn't a day that everybody celebrates. Um, This is a day that brings a lot of mourning, that brings a lot of tears and a lot of heartache uh, and everything to something that is an unbelievable joy um, and privilege for so many other people too. There's a lot of tension in a day like today. Um, I'll tell you kind of what we're, we are going to be doing something new and different today. Um, we were in the middle of a series on the life of Jesus Christ from eternity past to eternity still future. And we were specifically looking at a number of in- encounters that Jesus had uh, with various people along the way. And we were kind of focusing in uh, for the next few weeks on some encounters that he had with different women. And after these encounters, these women would be elevated. They would be lifted out to go and engage the mission of God. Uh, this morning, we were going to be looking at the story of Mary, Jesus' mother. And we're going to be talking about how the fact that she's so much more than that. And she is Jesus' mother. And she's so much more uh, that goes into that story, too. And so um, as I was looking into this text, I kept coming home, as I often do, and processing everything out loud with my wife, Kat. And we're talking through the text and the story and everything there. And and uh, just come to find out, she's just sharing with me over just all these different things about the passage and about Mary, uh, the beauty of her story, and um, the different nuances that are there involved in it. And I just... 
had this increasing sense that we needed to hear from a woman this morning, especially on Mother's Day, um, especially my wife. You guys have not had a chance to hear from her today uh, yet in the four years that I think we've had together. And so uh, I'm going to invite her up on the stage with me in just a little bit. I'm going to be doing an interview, and we're going to be talking through Mary's story and some of the different nuances of a day like Mother's Day and uh, what that brings out and how the Bible speaks into some of those issues. And so um, in a minute, I'm going to have you uh, just help me welcome her to the stage. But uh, a few things I just say, if you've not had a chance to get to know my wife, I, I said this on the very first day of my interview here at Dallas Bible. It's a thing that many of us say a lot. I actually really, really mean it. Uh, she's the better half of our marriage um, in a million different ways. And um, I've had the privilege of being able to partner with her and I do see it as that. We're a partnership in life and in ministry and everything. Um, we've done that for 16 years together as a married couple. Um, we supported each other and, and walked alongside each other for the couple years of dating before that. Uh, we continue to do that to this day. Um, she's always there front and center cheering me on. She's there in the evenings as we're dissecting the word of God together. And I'm trying to figure out, hey, where does this hit people? Where does this hit us? I'm stuck on different things. Um, she's bringing to mind a lot of these different things. Um, we've done this journey together. One of the unique things about our marriage is that we're very similarly gifted. We both uh, have leadership gifts. We both have teaching, preaching gifts. Uh, if you are curious how a marriage like that works, you can always take us to lunch afterwards, or we can take you and we can talk about that. But it's a unique element of our journey together. Um, we did seminary together uh, for a really long time. We were there together doing, getting our master's at Dallas Theological Seminary, going back and forth and, and doing that whole journey at the same time. Uh, we both graduated in 2011. Uh, somewhere, I believe it was back in 2008, God gave she and her friend Stephanie a vision to begin a brand new ministry called Polished, which is an outreach to young professional women um, all around the world, recognizing that this is one of the quickest, fastest growing de demographics of people that are leaving the church today, um, that women are taking off and they're not returning to the church after the college years and these young adult years. And so Polish gathers young professional women to navigate career and to explore faith together. And so for the past 11 years, she's developed a ministry along with a number of women. A lot of you guys are already involved in that, but they go into the workplace and into these uh, common ground areas to meet, uh, to meet women where they are and to be able to navigate faith and explore uh, life together uh, there. And so uh, for the past 11 years, she's been doing that and developing that ministry uh, right now, there's about seven locations around different cities and things of that nature, uh, and they're going to be quickly growing and, and expanding that. And so um, all that to say, it's been an absolute joy uh, to do life and to do ministry with you, my beloved wife. And so with that, I want to invite you up here in church. Would you just help me welcoming her uh, up here this, today? All right, this is a new one for us, right? It is. Yeah, we don't like, really do the, the, the interview thing here very much together. But well, I usually don't see you until 1 o'clock on Sundays. I know. So. I know. Hey, it's good Hi. to see you. You look beautiful this morning. Thank you. Hey, happy Mother's Day, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Right, we get up and we come to church and we do our thing so quick. And so, yeah, typically somewhere like in the meet and greet time, I'm like, hey, I'm your husband. It's good to meet you. Good to see you. Um, and, and then we kind of catch up there. So um, this is a fun day for some, and it's a very heavy day for a lot of other people. And if you follow along on social media, we had a lot of interaction this past week and kind of different people speaking into uh, the subject matter. And some of us come in and you say, hey, I know the tension of a day like this. Um, others were not really very aware of the different emotions and the different places that people are at in a day like today. And so would you just take a few minutes to just speak to uh, some of the tension that, that, that people may be feeling on a day like today? Yeah, I mean, I think we can all take a deep breath and know that today we are going to celebrate moms. We are going to celebrate moms. 
Well, moms are going to walk out of here feeling so encouraged by the scriptures and hopefully through the pastor. Um, but, you know, it, we have to address the elephant in the room. It is a really difficult day for a lot of women, a lot of men. And so I think if we voice that, we can all breathe a sigh of relief, not just mothers. There are lots of mothers that reached out and said, I actually feel guilt. I want to celebrate. It's an important day to me. But I know that there are people, women walking in this room who are feeling like the biological clock is passing them by and they may not be able to have children. We've got 30% of women that struggle with infertility. We've got tons of women who've experienced miscarriage or broken relationships. It's a, it's a difficult day. It's challenging to celebrate any national holiday that's not religious in a church setting it's it's difficult but you know I think I'm so glad that you wanted to do it I'm so glad that you wanted to celebrate because um, and we'll talk about this a little bit but how unseen and invisible motherhood can be how hard it is and how much we need to celebrate their contribution to the faith community but yeah when you asked me I was like oh I, ugh. Oh, I got apprehensions, specifically for uh, my single friends. You know, the United States, half of women are single. But the church doesn't attract a lot of single women because uh, traditionally speaking, the women... uh, the church, and I'm talking about the Church Universal, not Dallas Bible Church, right? And not everybody, but the church has uh, melded womanhood with motherhood as if they are inseparable and assigned godliness to the role of mother. And so there are a lot of singles, uh, a lot of folks who don't choose not to have children that feel left out. And so we wanted to make sure that they um, they also felt welcome to come to the church. And, um, you know, I you know all my stories about how yeah. marriage, uh, I've been told many times that marriage was going to be my greatest joy in life. I do love you. It has been fun. Um, <laughs> But, but, but G- truly, Jesus is my greatest joy. Yeah. And for any Christian, Jesus is our greatest joy. I've also been told that motherhood would be my highest calling. Oh, I love being Caleb's mom. I mean, I want to smother him in kisses every day. I you do. I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, some, I've told him he needs 47 kisses a day. I don't know where that number came from. I made it up. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's important to note that, that motherhood is not the highest calling of any woman. Parenthood is not the highest calling of any human being. Loving and serving Jesus is going to bring us the greatest joy in life, and it'll be our highest calling, and that's why we are mission-minded Christians. You've had a lot of weird interactions with people that kind of, and things that that come up in the church that we kind of unintentionally communicate along the way. Um, And and I I like that you said that a little bit ago, that it's not the thing that we typically, uh, that we mean to say. We don't try to bring out some of these lies and things like that, but we share some of those stories of, well-intentioned people that probably miscommunicated this message along the way. And, um, and what are some of the implications of that? If you misunderstand your identity and substitute your identity for a very, very important role that God has called you to play at a point in time in your life, what are some of the implications of that too? Yeah, I mean, I think the stories that I could tell, folks could think, oh, well, that's unique to her. And that probably, you know, after 20 years of women's ministry, 11 years as the executive director of a women's ministry, I can tell you that these experiences are not isolated. I remember being in graduate school at Dallas Seminary and a very well-intentioned mother told me, "Um, you are missing out on the highest calling of your life because you're not a mom yet. You better hurry up. And I have countless friends that would tell you uh, they've been told something similar. And so that puts so much pressure on women. Uh, It's on a whole generation of women. And I think when you ask the question, well, how does that impact us? How how could we miss the mark? And how, how is that relevant? Well, I mean, when one person in the body suffers, we all suffer. 
And I think that we've made calling, the word calling, wow. I mean, we have done a wonder on that word in our culture because it's calling is now changing the world, aligning with God's will perfectly, and doing it to the best of your ability, which those three things are really hard to do, and we've assigned that as motherhood for women. And I think if we take a step back, all Christians should focus on loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That, that's our, our highest calling. This is a huge thing when we were doing singles ministry back in the day because this is mm-hmm. um, one of the greatest needs and, and that a lot of our friends and, and people that we were around, they, they, they felt this all the time. And one of the passages we kept coming back to is 1 Corinthians chapter 7 where Paul admonishes singles in ways that no other world religion does in a lot of, in a yep. lot of ways. Like every world religion lifts up marriage and motherhood, yep. fatherhood, sure. children, as they should. Biblically, these yes. things are lifted up. They're elevated. The psalmist talks about this, like the, the children of your womb are a blessing things of that nature. But Paul does something very unique in 1 Corinthians 7 that I think often gets overlooked, in which Paul says, I wish that many of you would remain as I am, single. And he would say, I wish that you would remain there and that you would do this. And he goes on, and it's a really interesting chapter that's true. We don't, I haven't preached this yet. It'll be a fun day when I finally get around to preaching it and stuff. But um, he talks about how he's like, hey, guess what? Marriage is complicated. Church, have you ever noticed how like marriage is complicated? Right, and he's like, it's two people trying to intersect their lives together, and he's like, there's complications when you get married. There's disagreements. It requires a lot of your time and a lot of your attention. And he says the same thing about having kids. And he says, I wish some of you would remain single as I am. Then you could know um, the unexpected joy of being single-minded in your devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is Paul talking, right? This is one of these things that we kind of railed on quite a bit. Was this that um, Paul, being as effective as he was as a minister of the gospel? Uh, is one of the few people that really illustrates what that looks like right, to find your identity fully, first and foremost, in Jesus Christ, not defined by, hey, I'm married or I'm not married, uh, or I've got kids or I don't have kids. First and foremost, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And he says uh, how, how good it would be to remain single and single-minded in your devotion to the Lord Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, so, I mean, we can celebrate all these different life stages, ages, roles. We can do that while simultaneously saying unashamedly, The role of a mother can change the world, that motherhood is so valuable. And part of the reason you wanted to celebrate this holiday and to elevate the mothers of Dallas Bible Church, I mean, quite frankly, they do so much for our faith history. And we're going to talk about Mary of Nazareth, which I'm so excited about. She's one of my favorites. But, you know, moms confide in us often that they feel completely unseen and invisible. The, the role of a mother, the things that she does for her children so many times are behind a closed door, in a bathroom, on a changing table, they're at the bedside, they're long after they've graduated from high school and college, the role of a mother is still critical in every season of a mom's life. And we don't do enough to celebrate, and we heard that on social media, you know, one Sunday isn't enough, it's not enough. And I think uh, that's why we wanted to look at Mary of Nazareth, because she is usually focused on it one time a year. During the holiday season, we talk about Jesus' birth, and so she knows part of that struggle of being unseen and invisible, when in fact, she, I mean, she's one of my favorites, because she is the most talked about woman in the New Testament, the most talked about, and she's the fourth most talked about person behind, excuse me, not talked about, but the fourth most uh, scripture verses are devoted to her behind Jesus, Peter, and Paul. So she's an extremely important figure in our faith history. That's pretty significant. So, um, yeah, she's got a huge story. And um, what, what I liked about this, this is one of these things we're talking about in Mary's story we're about to get into today. Uh, Protestant churches, we don't do a fantastic job elevating Mary anymore. Um, Tim, Dr. Timothy Ralston writes about it in this book, Vindicating the Vixens, which is an excellent book. 
Um, but he writes about it in this book that Protestants don't lift up very, Mary very much anymore, largely in reaction to the, the Catholic divide. And, um, and so who, we would say that, hey, uh, worship is a little bit far, right? Um, and so in reaction to that, uh, in a lot of ways, we've never really talked about her or lifted up her story or seen her as an example as a, of a faithful follower of God. And that's exactly what we're going to see in Mary in this story. And so I wanted to jump into that a little bit here. And I want you to read a, take us to that text a little bit and uh, talk to us a little bit about Mary's story and kind of how that plays into um, her identity being first in God and then then a role being as a mother of Jesus. Sure. Okay. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter one. We'll put it on the screen for you as well if you're on your device. But this is Dr. Luke talking and he tells us a little bit about Mary's story. Dr. Luke says this, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And when the angel came to greet her, he said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by the statement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would be deeply troubled by that statement. Then the angel told her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son, sorry, son, 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 of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And then Mary asked the angel, say what? (laughs) Um, And then in verse 38, after she takes in this really life-changing news, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. I love this because she is afraid, as any of us would be. Um, you know, when she gets this news, you guys, I mean, her, it's an, un, I mean, an unpredictable future at best. You know, this is an interruption to her life. This is a poor peasant, young woman, unmarried, live, a Jewish woman living under Roman rule. And uh, she doesn't know how Joseph is going to respond. Thank goodness he's a man of valor and he has so much mercy and and favor on her. But she doesn't know that at the time. And so she is scared. Um, So I love this part. I love this part of her story. And then later on in that same chapter in verse 46, we have something called the Magnificent. Um, It's Mary's Thanksgiving psalm. And what's so cool about this psalm is that this is the fourth one in the scriptures where women are singing psalms. And so we got Miriam, you know, during the Exodus. You have Deborah, amazing leader of the nation. She sings after her victory in battle. And then we've got Hannah, the incredible mother who petitioned God for her son. And then then we have uh, Mary of Nazareth. And here's what she says after receiving this news. She says, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation of those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arms. He scattered the proud because of their thoughts of their hearts, he's toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things. He sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And so what you and I were talking about this week as we were processing the story of Mary of Nazareth is that last little phrase in verse 55, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Mary was an incredible theologian. 
you know, before this uh, conception came upon her, uh, she knew the word of God. And the reason we know that is so much of her magnificent Thanksgiving psalm, it echoes what we see in, in Isaiah 61. So when the prophet Isaiah is speaking about coming Messiah, he says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for the captives, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and, and to comfort all of those who mourn, to provide for those in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And so I think Mary knew this passage because she talks about setting the slaves free. She talks about toppling the mighty. She talks about elevating the lowly. I just, I really think she, she had an incredible faith. Yeah, she did. As a teenager, right? As a teenager. Right, you're never too, learned, you're never too young to That's learn right. the things of God. Even as a young teenage girl, when, and right, this is a culture where women are not educated very highly. They're not typically seen learning at the feet of their rabbis, even though Jesus does that with Mary of Bethany, and mm -hmm. she is a learner at his feet. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mary of Nazareth, I, I, you know, we can speculate all day long. We had a great discussion in my men's group this past week of why does the angel come to Mary and say, do you have a, a, an opinion on that? Like, the, the, the angel comes to Mary and says, greetings, favored one. Mm -hmm. And we've always kind of wondered, okay, does, is, is she favored just because? I don't think that this is just because. I think mm -hmm. that there's this... I think there is this, there is this character, there is this, there is a hunger, there is a, a purity that's there. Um, there's a, a young girl who knows the things of God very early on. And I think that this is a lot of what sets her up for success. Obviously, being Jesus's mother is not an easy assignment, right? Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of ups and downs there. So will you talk a little bit about some of those ups and downs? And then how do you think that, how do you think that the spiritual foundation that Mary had um, played into her stability and her strength through that time. Yeah, I mean, I think she is a woman of so much integri integrity, so much confidence, and she has so much resolve in her faith. So it's not just this moment that defines her life. We see that Mary of Nazareth is such an important part of building the early church because she decides to move to Capernaum. That's where Jesus's home base was during his ministry. She moves there. And it's a lot like the women from Luke chapter eight that are financially supporting Jesus's ministry. So she is so mission-minded. We see in John, I don't know what it is, four or five, Brad Cutrell could tell me. Um, in John, uh, where <laughs> uh, in John, where Mary is the one advocating for her son at Cana. And she wants him to do that first miracle to prove that he's Messiah, something that she's known since she became pregnant with him. Um, and then we learn later from John that she probably moved to Ephesus and helped build the early church there. And obviously, she was present at the crucifixion. She followed through after his ascension. I mean, yeah, so she contributes to our faith history, but she also speaks to the whole experience of motherhood. You know, not just many times on stages, at conferences, even the products that we buy from publishing houses are focused on motherhood as a young mom and, or your kids are little. But mothers will tell you when they graduate from college, motherhood isn't done with, right. that you are a mother as long as you live once you have a child. And so she shows us that whole experience of being a widow, being a single mom, losing a child, seeing him rise from the dead, which we won't get to see until Jesus makes all things right, right? right. right. Um, but yeah, so she's the whole experience. So what happens when, um, I love that, I, I, I absolutely believe it, that, you know, that that foundation is what sustained her throughout the days. I mean, she knew Yahweh. She knew the promises of God. She knew who she was. Um, what happens to us when we misplace um, 
when we do that subtle shift between our identity and our um, and the role that God has called us into at that time. Well, our roles change, don't they? At work, in life, in our family, they change, not always by our own choice. And so if we are putting so much pressure on attaching womanhood and motherhood being the same thing, which they're not, or assigning womanhood as the highest calling of every woman, which it's not, Jesus is, man, there's so much pressure. And then that's where you get into, well, should I stay home? Should I go back to work? Should I go to grad school? Should I, I mean, decision-making gets really complicated when you have the weight of the world that this is the only thing that you could do that could matter in life. And then you add the pressure of, well, all the data says that moms in, in, uh, in the home setting, whether they're working or not, continue to be the primary caregiver, or the data calls it primary parent. And that they are the prime disciple makers, that moms are the ones that are sharing the faith, that are passing it down. And not just, you're going to talk about this later, not just when they're itties, little bitties. When they are grown, our mothers continue to be uh, the place where we go to learn about our faith walk. Yeah, Yeah, see, I think that's a a difficult thing because um, you can't read Mary's story without being keenly aware of, the cycles, the ups and downs, and the different tragic things that she went through, and the different things to celebrate, of course. Um, and I was just, we were talking about it with some staff a little bit earlier this week, and just saying how, you know, without your identity coming first and foremost from the Lord Jesus Christ, everything that he said about you is true. Um, and loving the Lord your God, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, that being the primary thing, uh, we were talking a lot about how it leads to arrogance or, or despair, right? If, you're, if your thing is children, if your thing is your job, men, um, if your job is the amount, if, if your thing is the amount that you can provide, as soon as that thing is taken away, yeah. your kids don't perform according to your expectations, yeah. they're that, that kind of thing, it leads to an unbelievable amount of despair. And I would say, you know, as the church, this is a thing we see all the time, right? As I, kids, we feel that in your parents. You feel if your parents are disappointed with you. Um, you feel if they're, if they're uh, if that's not coming through, you can see the depression and stuff take place. At this, meanwhile, the other the other end of the spectrum is, are there not arrogant parents <laughs> that are like, uh, my kid's the honor roll, you know, the guy that did everything, the girl that did everything, and and it leads to a lot of superiority and a lot of a lot of pride about look at everything that I did perfectly right in a lot of ways. Um, we know that it is the Holy Spirit that shapes our children, that shapes yeah. our lives, um, and we they use parents to go in to do those things too, but. Um, yeah, it just leads to this, 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 this thing of just extreme arrogance or extreme um, depression and despair. Yeah, I think what we see from Mary's story is, you know, as the word of God comes to her and she receives it with faith, um, she's facing that uncertain future. She's facing potential of death. And she faces both with uh, so much confidence that God is going to carry her through. And so that can be instructive to all of us, no matter we're mothers or not that we can trust God when his plans don't look the way that we would want them to go. I'm sure Mary looked back on her motherhood journey and thought, I didn't want my child to die through a crucifixion. And um, I didn't want the trouble that he saw in life to come upon him. Um, And she says, surely it will be done to me. She says, I'm your servant. And I think that's instructive for everyone here today, and especially for moms on Mother's Day, that we are called to be servants, but not just moms. Everyone's called to be a servant. That's what Jesus says. But... um, yeah, I love that her, uh, what her story does for many of us is show us that we can be afraid. And a lot of moms struggle with that. At least I do. I know that I've heard from several that feel, man, I, I mean, the burden of my kiddos turning out and loving Jesus and doing well in life, it's a lot of pressure. 
and we're afraid that we are not enough to get it done. And that the books, they're not coming out fast enough, and they're not talking about real-time issues, you know, that are going on with our children now. And um, so there's a lot of fear. Mary felt fear. Mary was deeply troubled at the news that she would be a mom. Um, And I'm sure she continued to be deeply troubled over time as she watched Jesus grow up. Um, And yet she faced it with faith, and she was faithful to the end. She was faithful to the end. I think that's instructive, that we don't give up as mothers, that there's no pain that is wasted. It's never too late. God is not done yet working on us or our children. Yeah, I want you to speak a little bit more to that, because I think this is a big part um, uh, in, in her whole story, this idea of mothering is mission. And I see this in Mary's story two different ways because she's got a unique assignment being uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, the, the savior of the world, the Messiah, half God, fully God, fully man, right? That is a beautiful thing that's really unique in her story. Uh, but this idea of mothering is mission. I think that you see this in Mary from the very beginning that um, is that she gives herself fully and is able to come to this place where she lets go of Jesus and recognizes his divine calling and is able to let go of her son to be able to go to a cross, to be able to go and to fulfill everything that the Father has called him to do in this unique purpose in his life. Uh, Moms, dads, have you ever experienced the difficulty of letting go of a child and saying, God, I'm trusting you completely with your kid? Like, I feel like that that's what we're seeing, like, in Mary. I, I mean, she's quickly discovering very early on in her story that Jesus' um, end is not going to be a beautiful end. He's not going to make it 90 years old and pass away in his sleep. That he's, there's going to be a crucifixion. There's going to be persecution. And, um, and she's firmly committed to saying, Father, I'm, I'm trusting you with my son. And, I, and, and, and the unique way that plays out in being Jesus' mother. At the same time, being firmly committed to the mission herself. So um, from beginning to end, before Jesus came, while Jesus was here, and then after Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, she's there at Pentecost. She's there building and establishing the early church. She was committed to the mission of God, whether that role demanded her to change Jesus' diapers or what that may be. And so talk about mothering his mission a little bit and how that plays out for us. Yeah, I mean, I think we see from Mary's song in Luke chapter 1 that she, when she receives this news, what comes out of her. You know those songs that we sing and we don't even know that we're singing and we're humming because it's just so deep inside of us? Well, this is what happens to Mary. Mary starts singing, God is awesome. And God is doing what the prophet Isaiah talked about in Isaiah 61. He's talking about what Psalm 103 from King David used to talk about, that he's going to exalt the lowly. This is from Leviticus chapter 25 when we talk about Jubilee and setting the captives free and providing for the people who are hungry and those who are mourning. And that's what's inside of her. That's what comes out is is that I know Yahweh. I know what he is all about, and I'm going to join him there. I'm going to be his servant. And so that's what her song says. I'm going to rejoice in God, my Savior, because he's looked on me with a humble condition, and I am going to serve him. And the way that Jesus served us, the way he is going to serve our our whole kingdom is that he's going to do mighty deeds with his arms. He's going to do it with strength. And so, you know, when we talk about faithfulness, of course, we, you and I are going to point mothers back to you need to know the word of God. You need to know God for yourselves. But in, when you feel like, I don't know enough, and I'm afraid, I'm afraid to do the motherhood thing, that we can go, you know what, so was Mary. And yeah. God still used her. Yeah. 
That's a, yeah, that's a big one. I think a lot of us can, can sit here and look at Mary's story and say, okay, that's kind of like preaching Proverbs 31 here. Like oh, this, no. uh, this ideal no. picture of humanity yeah. who nailed it and did it all perfectly right and all this kind of thing. So what would you say to mothers, and you could even, by extension, parents, and um, you could even extend that to disciple makers, people inside of the church, but where do you begin when you're not married? Where do you begin when um, you don't have that theological foundation, you've never studied the Word of God well, um, you don't have that foundation that you see in Mary from the very beginning. Um, where do you even pick up? Because I love what you said a little bit ago. It's not too late, right? And, and he does want to meet you where you are and take you to that next step. So what do you say to us who are in the middle of brokenness and we're recognizing the divine calling that, that mothering may be if we've got little ones on our roof and even spiritual mothering later on? So where do we even begin with all that? It's a good question. <laughs> Did you ask me that in the first service? I don't remember. No. So. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't ask me that. No, I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah, yeah I think um, where do we begin? First of all, you do not have to be married and you do not have to be a mother to be a discipleship, Amen. disciple maker. Amen. Right? So we are all called into the Great Commission to go and make disciples. Every single one of you, I don't know what life stage you're in, how much you are not into God right now, how godly you are. No, you are called to be a disciple maker. So we start now. We start in spite of our fear. We start with the scriptures. We start by knowing who God is and what he wants to accomplish in this world. And we join him in that work. And when you're a mother, you say, you know what? This is a sacred assignment that God has given me a purpose to do this, but this won't be my only purpose in life because Jesus is my purpose and he's so much bigger than parenthood or promotion at work or relationship status. He's so much bigger. Uh, so I think we start there. I think you start by acknowledging your fear the way she did. I think you secondly receive God's assurance. That's what she did through the angel. No, 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 don't be afraid, Mary. This is going to be okay because God's going to be with you. So I think it's remembering he's going to be with us. And then I think it's saying to ourselves and out loud to others, this is what's true about God. And so we do that at work. We do it with our family and friends. We do it with our children. So if you're a mother, you start disciple making by learning about God and then telling your children what you're learning yourself. And you can tell your children, I don't know. That's a really good question. I don't know that. I love that. We were talking in the first service. We did talk about this a little bit in the okay. first service. So um, but, um, one of the things we we're talking about is a simple invitation, because um, that's one of the beautiful things about this call to disciple, to make disciples that, that um, that's a, a biblical call we all adopt as a believer in Jesus Christ, um, is that you don't have to be this. Uh, it's, it's not a, hey, once you become um, somebody as mature as the Apostle Paul or Mary or anything like that, then you begin making disciples. And um, we were talking about just a simple invitation to say, come and learn with me. Um, disciple making is an, is an invitation to somebody else underneath your care. Um, and maybe that is in your home with your children to say, hey, come along and learn with me. We don't have it all figured out, but you can come and learn this with me. I'm pursuing Jesus. Come and do it with me. Um, I was reminded of our friends, the Klinglers, Matt and Courtley Klingler, who uh, we worked with in the past. And I thought they did this fantastic. But um, everywhere they went, their big thing in, in the workplace uh, he would do this with different people that he was working with, but he would say, hey, um, I'm beginning to read the book of James, and I would love for you to come and read it with me. Would you like to learn a little bit more of what uh, what the Bible has, has to say about itself? And he would just invite people to come and read it with him, and that's all that he did was read the word of God with him. Courtney did the same thing. She had like, uh, I was joking, like 25 kids or something like that. It was like a lot of kids in their home, she and um, she didn't have 25, but um, 
but she would invite her kids, and they would just come along, and they would say, hey, we're going to read this together. I want to invite you to read it with me, and let's just talk about it together. And there was never this air of superiority of, hey, um, I've got all the answers. We've got it all fully figured out. Um, we're broken people pursuing Jesus together, and I'm inviting you to do it with me. Um, I think that a lot of parents need that, that, the, the permission to make that first invitation to your kids and to say, I don't know where to begin. Um, I don't know how to do this right. Uh, what you're going to see in me as a mother and a father um, is a lot of brokenness. You will, over time, you will see hypocrisy in me, hopefully less and less and less. Um, you're going to see uh, mistakes. Um, at the same time, you're going to see me broken and in the middle of my place pursuing the Lord Jesus and little Billy, little, Sa little Sally, whatever it may be. Um, I'm inviting you to come and to do this thing with me. We pursue Jesus one question at a time. And we get to know him and his heart. And I love that. We were talking with Linda Cole afterwards. And uh, Linda Cole, many of you know her in our church body. Um, faithful, faithful woman of God in our church who's done um, this thing very well. She's, um, she's, uh, she has great grandkids now, I believe. She was saying something like 20 to 25 different grandkids. With four more on uh, the way. With four more on the way. So <laughs> she has that enormous family. And she's like, she says, I'm so glad that you guys talked about that because that's not my whole life. As many kids as I have and as great as a family as I have, like that is not my whole life. I served Jesus Christ with all my heart, soul, and mind, and strength before my kids ever came along. And I can tell you today, she's the one that's leading the charge uh, out there working with refugees today with For the Nations, our refugee ministry outreach. She's out there discipling uh, new refugees that are brand new here to Dallas, and she's investing her life in the community around her. And she would say, first and foremost, I'm a follower of God, and I serve him primarily and invite people to come and do it along the way. Um, I love that about Mary's story. She does have a foundation. She does have some strength there. At the same time, we've got to remember she's a teenage girl that has been given the largest assignment any of us can possibly imagine, and God is good and faithful to sustain her all of those days. Yeah, I mean, she really, uh, I think she embodies what so many mothers struggle with, that uh, invisibility, in that um, she's certainly hidden in the text for many of us and in history, and she's made such a huge mark. And I think mothers will walk away remembering that today, that Mary of Nazareth, we can't look at faith history without her because she was such an important part of the story. Um, but it's easy to miss her, right? It's easy to miss her when we talk her only about at Christmas. So you need to talk about her more. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, okay, we'll do. We'll do that a little bit more. Um, maybe we need to talk about the fact that, um, no, we just, we just talked about Mary not long ago. Remember when she lost her kid in Jerusalem? Uh -huh. Right? That was a big one. Anybody need to re be reminded of that story? As you listen to Mary a little bit, you remember this? At the very beginning of Jesus' story, this is the only time we see uh, adolescent Jesus take place in, in, in scriptures. And he's, uh, Mary and Joseph left him in Jerusalem. Anybody leave their kid behind or forget that they existed? Uh, we don't know if it was on purpose or not. But, um, you know, Mary left Jesus behind, forgot about him there. And so maybe someone <laughs> just needs perfect. to hear that. She, she was not a perfect, perfect woman by any stretch of the imagination. No, and, she wasn't uh, Neither was Joseph and stuff. And so, um, Yeah, I think anyway. if there's anything that we can take away from today, it's that there is a generation of young people who want to be parented in the gospel. And we have a sacred opportunity to do that, whether we are parents or not, biological parents, adoptive parents. And they're waiting for us to invest in them, to make disciples. And we have a lot to learn from mothers because of their unique assignment and their experience doing it. And sometimes we fail to look at them as the heroes of the faith that they are and say, you know what, you've been making disciples a lot longer, a lot harder, with more time devoted. Help us understand how to do it because the church mothers have shaped who we are. Yeah. And I would say... Um 
I was thinking a lot about uh, Kay Daigle. I don't know. If, I think Kay's out with her family and stuff this weekend. I'm uh, thinking about the concept of spiritual mothers and many, many moms who, um, who have never had children, um, never been able to have children, um, whose kids are out and about. Um, uh, maybe they just don't have them anymore. The investment of, of uh, women in our church body who've understood the mission of God and just continue to spiritually mother at every phase of their life, no matter what may come their way. I think of Kay Daigle and honor her tremendously. Um, she has her own kids and, and um, is doing that thing, but has been faithfully investing in the church for a long time. Uh, every single week, I would tell you as a pastor here at the church, our church body um, is sustained through uh, women largely throughout the week that are serving over and over and over again. Uh, you go back in those halls and the women are going to be leading uh, the charge over there, investing their lives in the next generation of students that are coming up. And it's women that are understanding um, the, the, this divine calling to continue mothering, if you will, making disciples at whatever age and stage uh, you may possibly be in. And so, um, church, I just wanted to do this today. I wanted to talk about mothering and just simply to say um, that what you do matters. And I don't know if anybody came in here today and uh, maybe that question has been on your mind and you're looking at your kids. The reality is uh, they're probably not applauding you a whole lot right now. Um, it'll probably be a long time before they give you a compliment um, that really, that really uh, means something significant to you. And I don't know if any mothers came in here today just feeling tired a little bit, um, maybe felt a little bit overlooked. Um, you don't get raises at your work, right? <laughs> right? And uh, whether you're working, whether what kind of combination you may be doing or if, or if you're at home all the time, like uh, you don't get those raises, you don't get awards, you don't get accolades and things like that. It's dependent fully upon probably your husband who may or may not be very good at that. And... Um, I didn't know if anybody needed to come in here today and just uh, hear that what you do matters and, um, and that you are raising the next generation of men and women uh, to know, love, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't know if anybody needed to come in here today and hear that you're not defined by that role that you may be in right now and that it may be a holy and divine calling that you're walking in right now that is beautiful and should be celebrated and should be lifted up over and over again, and you're not defined by the success or the failure that's going on right there. Um, I didn't know if anybody needed to hear um, that the task is simply to say, hey, come and do this thing with me. Vulnerably, honestly, your mother, your father, we don't have it all fully figured out. We don't have all the answers. Um, we don't do it perfectly. And kids, I'm inviting you to come and to do this journey along with me. And uh, we're going to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so um, for that, we just wanted to come and we wanted to take some time and just address this uh, to honor our moms today. I hope that you are celebrating hard. Kat referenced an article a little bit earlier. I wanted to share some things with you that I thought was absolutely fascinating. Many of you know um, I, I'm a huge fan of Barna statistics and research and stuff. Barna are the researchers that go and have the conversations with everybody in the world and they get a pulse on what's happening. But there was an article that came out this past week, and moms, I just want you to hear this, but it was a, it was a talk about, um, it was a study about practicing Christian homes in the United States today, and it talked about how moms are the primary activity and conversation partners for teens and the primary disciple makers in the, ho in the home today. Mm -hmm. And um, if you are wondering if what you do matters, um, you need to hear that what you do matters. Um, it, the, the article was just talking about how for all the stereotypes of teens that are rolling their eyes at their parents, Generation Z are actually very open with and dependent upon their mothers. Yeah. Consider their descriptions of one-on-one -on -one time with other housemates. Today, Christian teens consistently identify their mother as the principal housemate for all yeah. activities at home, from eating meals together, watching TV or movies, talking about God, 
having confrontations, mothers mm -hmm. are the primary activity partner for their teens. They're yeah. home, they're around, they're asking the questions. Um, moms are the go-to for spiritual conversations and questions about God and faith. And it's not to, to diminish anything else, but um, about 15 to 20% more teenagers are acknowledging mm -hmm. that I go to my mom to ask questions about faith and the Bible than anyone else in the world. When I'm hurting and I'm in need, I go to my mom to go and have that conversation to be yeah. consoled. When I need casual conversation, this is fascinating. They mentioned that, uh, that mothers, uh, the teenagers are more likely to reach out to their mom, even more so than their friends, mm -hmm. uh, when they're looking for some kind of a casual connection. Right? I don't know if anybody is sitting there thinking, hey, am I relevant anymore? Do my kids want to have this relationship with me? Um, I think that there's, there's something that's there. Moms encourage me to go to church more than anyone else in the world. They're the ones saying, hey, let's get up. Let's go be a part of a community of believers. Let's be reminded of who we are. Let's be reminded of who he is. Let's worship him together. Uh, moms are the ones that remind me of God's grace and forgiveness. Mm. And uh, that is a big one. And so, moms, I don't know where you are today. Um, but maybe you just need to hear that what you do matters. It absolutely matters. And I don't know if you came in here today celebrating, um, and maybe you had, uh, maybe there was a chip, maybe there was a hurt or something that's there, uh, but what you do absolutely matters. And for the people that came in today, grieving a day like today, I talked with somebody in the hallway in between services, and he was saying, hey, forever, uh, I've, I've loathed Mother's Day because my mom took her life when I was eight years old. Um, another one came and said, my mom left me, and I never knew my mom. Um, I never knew my mom from the time I was an infant, and this is a very, very painful day, and it's difficult to celebrate in a lot of ways. Um, if that is you, then you just need to simply hear that we, we see you and that we're here with you. Um, you're not defined by what role that you may be in uh, today. And as a church body, we want to come around you. We want to we weep with those who are weeping. Well, we want to celebrate with those who are celebrating today. Uh, our God is good. He is faithful to sustain you. And uh, that was a conversation we were having with our staff this past week is the different ways that mothers reflect the image of God today. They not only bring life into the world as our heavenly father has brought life into the world yeah. um, and makes us born again in the Holy Spirit. Women and mothers bring life into the world. Uh, mothers sustain life as the father sustains our lives, but mm -hmm. women sustain, mothers sustain life. They say things like, uh, I, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of this world, right? And uh, we believe it. They're telling the truth about that, right? Um, they sustain life. A woman, a mother's, a mother's body is uniquely created by God to sustain life in ways that no one else can. Um, and that is a unique and beautiful thing, way that, ways that you reflect the image of God. Um, you sustain life. You clean up messes. You're there and you're talking and you're training, you're building, you're giving wisdom. You're there when they're mourning. Um, and then the last part is that, that mothers grow life. Um, they are there, and they are building the next generation of, of, uh, of, of men and women that are going to know, love, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and uh, so, moms, today we honor you, uh, we remember you, we celebrate you, and everybody else that's mourning today, uh, we see you, and we're there with you, and we want to weep with you. So with that, um, I want to close this up in prayer, and I want to do it the way that I did it in the first service. Um, men, I'm going to ask that you would stand. I'm not going to call out the moms today and have you stand and bring anybody, bring any kind of special attention here. But I do want to just pray over moms. And, uh, men, I'm going to ask you to do that because I'm confident that there's not a man in here who's actually a mom. And so, <laughs> at least at this point, anyway. Um, and so, um, I'm just going to invite you to pray with me. And um, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give you a few seconds to just, maybe you want to quietly pray over someone that you may came with, you, you came with today. Um, maybe you uh, want to say that out loud. I'm going to give you some space to do that, too. So,